Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast, episode 135. Mike Kafka, NFL quarterback, newbie hunter, deer hunting questions for the Big Buck Registry staff, and Super Bowl 50 predictions. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hey, this is Matt Duff. And Jeff Danker. From Major League Bowhunter, and you're listening to the best podcast on the internet, the Big Buck Registry. Everybody, this is Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors, and you can follow us on our official Drury Outdoors Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter account. You're listening to my favorite deer hunting podcast on the internet, Big Buck Registry, Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. So my name is Jason Coger. I'm from Owensboro, Kentucky, and I represent the Jason Coger Foundation. You're listening to my favorite broadcast of all time, Big Buck Registry. Welcome to another episode of the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. My name is Jay, and my name is Dusty. What's happening, brother? I'm in, just trying to get things. uh, I'm trying to hang one more doe in my garage before season ends. Think it can happen? I know it can happen, because you're one of the world's greatest deer hunters ever. I hope you're right. And you tell us the best story. What happened there? How did that all play out? Uh, yeah, just uh, the Metro Parks contacted me and said they got a, a uh, opening, you know, like ASAP. And uh, they asked if I wanted to do it. And I said, heck yeah, I'm in. So, so you basically got another tag when it came out of it. Well, I've, I still had a tag. I've got, I can I can kill actually four more deer in Ohio. But uh, one particular county I was tagged out in, now I'm moving to a joining county. I can kill two more deer. So my hope says one more deer, but if the opportunity for two comes about, I will uh, go about it correctly, kill my first deer, call, tag it in, and uh, go buy another tag and try to shoot another one. But we'll don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm hoping to get one more big mature doe in my freezer. How about that? God bless you, man. Can't wait to come down and enjoy some fair with you again. God bless America. God bless America. God bless all yeah. of our fans and, and everybody that yeah. tunes with us every week. Reach out to everybody who's listening to this right now. You know, it's uh, it's just a pleasure being here with you every single week. And, and you just give us this opportunity to express ourselves about deer hunting. And you know, hopefully we're providing for you some of the, the best content we can, bringing it to you. Uh, and finding some, you know, whether you're a brand new deer hunter or, uh, you know, an old codger like ourselves, just trying to keep it going. And the, you know, if uh, hopefully somewhere in all this, we're actually delivering some knowledge that you've and piece of, of information that you've never heard before coming up with a tactic or recovering some, some hot new story, whatever it is, we're hoping that it's benefiting you in the deer woods. Yeah, it's always super cool to uh, have somebody message in and tell us that they were successful because of something that they heard right here on the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. That means a ton to us, and that's why we do this. We, that's exactly why we do this, because people are out there listening to the show and telling us that the reason that they were successful is because of something they picked up here on the, on the podcast. So before we get into this week's guest, I would like to turn the show over to Jim Keller with the Deer News. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Our first story is about a new Arkansas state record buck. Jacob Acock, 33, of Tiller, Arkansas, has broken the 40-year-old Arkansas whitetail state record for a typical buck. Jacob shot the buck on November 20th in Drew County. His Boone and Crockett net score of 195 and 28 beat the previous record of 189 set by Thomas Sparks in 1975. The buck is a 13 point with a 21 and a half inch spread and a main beam that measured 29 and 2 eighths inches long. The gross score before deductions was 212 and 7 eighths. Excluding Texas, Jacob's buck is the largest buck ever killed in the South. According to Boone and Crockett, Jacob's buck is the 57th largest typical buck ever killed. Brian Hendricks 
Hendricks wrote a great article telling the whole story on this deer for the Northwest Arkansas Gazette. Check it out at www.nwaonline.com. Our next story is about a California man sentenced for illegally taking deer. This story is from the Lake County News. In Lakeport, California, Warren Nile Fox has been convicted of illegally killing a deer. Fox killed two black-tailed deer on Cobb Mountain in northwestern California. Fox killed the deer on August 18th and was convicted on December 14th, 2015. The deer were illegally killed over a pile of grain that Fox had placed within 20 yards of where he was hunting. California law requires a hunter to hunt no closer than 400 yards from a baited area. Fox was charged with illegally taking a deer within 400 yards of a baited area, waste of a game animal, failure to tag a deer after killing it, and illegal possession of deer. California also has stiffer penalties for illegally taking quote-unquote trophy animals. One of the deer, a 4x4 blacktail, measured 145 inches, which is trophy class, further increasing his penalties. Judge Michael Lunas placed Fox on three years probation, revoked his hunting privileges for three years, and ordered him to pay a fine of $8,530. For the full article, please visit www.lakecoNews.com. Our next story is about insurance company ranking states on likelihood of car deer accidents. Of all 50 states, 20 stand out for their likelihood of a motorist experiencing a collision with a white-tailed deer. These 20 states have been identified by State Farm Insurance and also includes the odds of having such an encounter. In descending order, here are the top 20 states. Nebraska, Kansas, Georgia, Ohio and Alabama tied, Missouri, Maryland and North Dakota tied, Wyoming, Arkansas and Kentucky tied, North Carolina, Michigan, South Carolina, Virginia and Minnesota tied, Wisconsin, Mississippi, South Dakota, Montana, Pennsylvania, and the number one state where you might might most likely hit a white-tailed deer is West Virginia. The odds of hitting a deer in the top 50 states are Mississippi, 1.19%, South Dakota, 1.22%, Montana, 1.33%, Pennsylvania, 1.14%, West Virginia, 2.56%. At number one, this story also provided the likely insurance rate increase after an accident. For the full story, which was reported by Jeff Frischkorn, please visit www.outdoornews.com. The National Deer Alliance names its first CEO. The National Deer Alliance has named Nick Pinizzotto as its first president and CEO. Nick's recent employment history includes serving as CEO for both the Sportsman's Alliance and the Delta Waterfowl Association. Nick officially began his new role on December 1, 2015. For more information about Nick and the NDA, please visit www.nationaldeeralliance.com. Com. And just a reminder that license application deadlines are fast approaching. If you're planning to deer hunt in another state, especially out west, applications will be coming due over the next few months. If you're planning to travel out of state for a deer hunt or any other hunting in 2016, a very useful website is www.huntingreport.com. If you add a slash permit underscore deadlines dot cfm at the end of that website, you'll get a list of states and their deadlines. That concludes this week's edition of the Big Buck Registry's Deer News. If you have any ideas for future topics or have questions about any of these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Thanks to Jim for joining us on the Big Buck Podcast and giving us the deer news of the week. So our, our guest this week, Dusty, is Mike Kafka. And Mike is... I guess he's a, well, he's been around the NFL for, for quite a while, for several years now. And he's a NFL quarterback. He's had an interesting life in football, but now he's turning to a life of the outdoors in addition to football. And he started a company called Rue Outdoors and he's trying to come up with some products for hunters and athletes to use outside. And oddly enough, which is a little different for this show, Mike has actually never gone hunting, but wants to. So what I thought we should do, because we've never done this before, we wanted to mix it up a little bit, is we'd get Mike's view as a novice coming into this outdoor world and learning about hunting and letting him ask us questions about what we know about deer hunting. And certainly, you know, we've, we've got some, I don't know how many years you've been hunting exactly, but I bet if we added our years together, you're probably talking about 60-something years of hunting. Yeah, you're probably right there, right. you know. And, and you know, the great thing is, is, is that uh, I'm I'm no better than anybody else out there that hunts. Um, you know, I've been real super lucky and and real fortunate to be on some good ground that holds some mature big antlered whitetails. Right. And uh, you know, I, I I would I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Mike no different than I tell anybody else that would ask me the question. So it, and I know you'll do the same, Jay, and and be truthful and honest and. 
and it's going to be a, a great podcast to maybe learn a few little things as a new hunter asking questions to some guys that's been in the woods for a little while. Yeah. And certainly, you know, we've, we've been in the woods for a long time. We've been successful and unsuccessful at times. And I think the unsuccesses are probably more important than the success aspects of deer hunting because we learn a lot from it. For sure. And they're certainly screwed up many a times in deer woods. And uh, there's also been these moments, especially on the show over the last three years, that we've actually acquired so much more knowledge and thought about things that I'd never even thought about before. So all that stuff is in our heads and it's time for us to let it out and let Mike ask the questions and we'll hear what he's got going on, not only in the NFL, where he's going with his career, but where he's going with his new business called Rue Outdoors. So yeah, it should be uh, real interesting, Jay. And, uh, you know, it's going to be super beneficial for somebody that's just getting into the, the hunting world as far as the whitetail aspect of it. Yes, very much so. So without further ado, here's Mike Kafka. Mike Kafka, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks, Jay and Dusty. Thanks for having me. It's like to have you, Mike. This is uh, it's a pleasure. We've uh, been uh, reading up on your career, and uh, I, I'm positive I've seen you on television at least a half dozen times over the last several years. Um, yeah. So you're, I'm a big football fan. Dusty is from Ohio. I'm in New Hampshire. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Patriots, longtime Patriots fan. Dusty, um, and I'm not going to put any words into Dusty's mouth. Dusty, you can answer this question. Are you a, a football fan? You know, I, I, college football, yeah. I, I kind of follow the Buckeyes a little bit, college football. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I got to say, if I'm, going, if I'm going to watch an NFL game, I'm going back to the Emmett Smith days. And, and oh, yeah. I'm still a Cowboys fan because of him. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, those guys back in the day, that was the best ball to watch, too. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of that, that stuck with me. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I see people jump around year after year who wins the Super Bowl and who gets close to the Super Bowl. And I've been kind of stuck with the Cowboys since, you know, my teenage years and just always been a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm, I'm going with Cowboys for NFL. <laughs> Very nice. Gotcha. Very nice. So, Mike, tell us about yourself. Where, where are you yeah. from originally? So I'm from, um, from Chicago. Um, born and raised in Chicago and, um, ended up actually going to college up in Northwestern, just, you know, a few miles north of, uh, of the city. Sure. And, um, after the, after Northwestern, I got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in 2010. I was there for a number of years and, um, kind of went around the league a little bit. I was in New England, uh, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, and just finished up with, uh, Cincinnati. And so, um, at this point, you know, I've made some good relationships in, in the NFL and, um, I was able to do some really fun things off the field as well and started my own company, Rue Outdoor. Gotcha. All right. So, so you've, you've, uh, you started playing when you were young, I would assume. Yeah. I started actually in third grade. Third grade. All right. So what, give us a visual. What was that like? What was that? What, <laughs> well, what were you doing in third grade? Were you, were you, were you a quarterback back then or <laughs> were you, you know, uh, playing lineman? Yeah. No, actually, I played running back. Okay. Um, I didn't start playing quarterback till really my, my sophomore year in high school, I was always a running back or a receiver and I played um, a little bit since my sophomore year. And then uh, my junior and senior year, I really got into it. And quarterbacking was really my position with all the leadership and athletic ability I had. That's really what kind of led me down that path. Your, your best athletes are usually the quarterback, right? In a lot of ways. I think in the, in the high school level, for sure. And then as you get older, then it starts leaning towards, you know, the faster guys on the outside with the running backs, receivers, tight ends. Right. Those kind of, you know, but I think really in high school, your best, you want your best athletes. Right. You know, in key positions at quarterback and running back. Right. So let's face it, Tom Brady isn't exactly the most explosive runner in the world. That's true. That right. is true. I, I wouldn't say that's his best, his best asset. Right. Exactly. So, okay. So you, you played at third grade on the playgrounds and then you kind of played football throughout your, your, your life. Um, what was high school like? Well, high school was, it was awesome. We had a great team. Um, we made the playoffs every year and we never won the state championship, but, uh, we always had really good teams and, um, guys that went on to play college ball. We had, you know, every year we'd have, um, five or six guys going to play college ball, which was, which was always awesome for our program. Wow. And, um, yeah. It was really, really pretty cool and lo- really a lot of competition and a lot of great guys and, and memories. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, so what made you choose Northwestern coming out of, out of high school? Right. Well, honestly, I think I thought it was just the best 
um, fit for me as far as academics and um, and athletics. Uh, it was you know they're obviously in the Big Ten, highly competitive, and the academics was something that you know it takes me it takes me past just my playing days um, in college. And I th- that was really important to me, and definitely my family is you know they they really wanted me to get a good education and Northwestern fit all those things that I wanted to do. Okay, very nice. Now. W- Back in high school, because you were the star quarterback, um, how was your how was life back then? I mean, were you were you the the most popular guy on campus? Uh in in high school or college? Yeah, both. I guess. Oh, both. I guess that could occur in both both settings. Yeah, you know what? I I I tried to stay out of the spotlight as much. I mean, obviously, when you're the quarterback, it's hard to um to not be kind of thrust into the forefront of the team and social mm-hmm. events and stuff like that. But I think. I um I tr- I tried to share the love with with everyone and I, I always felt more comfortable with more people around me and enjoying all, you know all the success we'd have. Okay, all right. That's that's uh, it's a humble place to be. It's a very um, you know some of these quarterbacks you you know like Cam Newton for example uh, seems to be wanted to be in the spotlight all the time. So you're you're not that guy. You're you're kind of uh, a little more laid back from what what you're saying. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. I definitely say all right. That's cool. Um, now. You have to be good to be drafted in the NFL, and you you are an NFL quarterback. You've you've, oh, yeah. you've been there. So how did how did draft day go for you? It was actually it was actually really cool. I was in San Jose visiting my brother, and um, I, you know I kind of had an idea when I was going to get drafted for the most part, and it was really just a dream come true and an awesome opportunity to go and and earn earn a spot in the NFL. Something I've been dreaming about for a really long time, and to have it all kind of come together the way it did and get drafted by Philly, which is such a great organization, uh, I thought it was it was a really cool experience and something I'll I'll really never forget. Gotcha. Now, Adam Vinatieri. I'm assuming you you know who that guy is. Yes. <laughs> he, he tells me that the quarterback is by far the most important position on the field. I would agree. Would you agree with that? 100%. Okay. Because you're you're the one guy that other than the center that touches the ball uh on every offensive play. Yep. No and, matter what. Right, and you're the one who's in charge of getting everyone lined up right and and making the right decisions with the football and and really scoring points and really you're really that engine and the heartbeat, you know, of the offense on getting guys, you know, jacked up to go and play and all those type of things. So there's definitely a lot on the shoulders, a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of a quarterback. Gotcha. So you played in Philadelphia for a few years. Yeah, I was there for three years. Three years, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a uh, uh, Trent Cole was on the show not too oh, long awesome. ago. I don't know if you know Trent. Oh yeah, and good friends with Trent. Yeah, he's a he's a big outdoor guy. Um, has his own TV show, Blitz TV, the Hunter. Yeah, yeah. We were. I just missed him. I was at Shot Show. Um, just just um last week. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah he was out there. Everybody. So you yeah. you play football during the fall because that's when football is being played, and then it goes yep. from. Somewhere in August, all the way through January, if you're in the playoffs. Yep. So, yeah, that's typically that's typically the schedule. Yep. So you really, if you're on that schedule, other than maybe a, a day or two here and there, and this is the Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast, you have not had a chance really to get out and hunt during your it's, career. Right. It's really difficult because you know the time constraints that a quarterback has. He's always in there early and staying late at the facility. It's really difficult, especially in prime, you know, prime season, prime hunting season. Right. But you are an outdoor enthusiast. I mean, you obviously you play in an outdoor environment, but off the field, tell us about your experiences off the field in the, in the, in the great outdoors. Yeah. And you know what? I've actually, I've not actually never been hunting and I'm super interested, would love to go. And I guess that's where I would really love to kind of learn some more information and really get like the insider info on how do I approach this when I'm when I'm trying to move forward and 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 go after it? Okay. So I'd love to actually ask you guys some questions. I think that would, that's an interesting spin, <laughs> Dusty. Um, are you yeah. down for this, Dusty? Because I, I is, think I'm down. You know, it's uh, something different, Jay. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's I mean, cool. I would love to hear it from you know from obviously some professionals and guys who've been doing it for a really long time. I love to learn. I got my notebook out. What do you guys right. say? <laughs> All right. I'm down for that. Now, I, I have to premise or preface this to say that I'm not a professional hunter. I just play one on the radio. <laughs> All right. But, okay. but I have learned a ton over the last two and a half years talking to other hunters. I've hunted my entire life. So I don't think I'm a, a bad hunter. 
Um, but I've learned so much more from listening to podcasts about hunting, whether it's this show, interviewing people on our show or listening to other hunting podcasts. I, I can't say that I've even just reading stuff. I think I've learned more on being on this show than I have ever learned uh, talking to other people. Oh, very cool. So I'm, I'm ready to put that to the test to see what kind of knowledge I actually have <laughs> retained because <laughs> let's I, do it <laughs> sometimes i'm not so sure yeah <laughs> all right so yeah let's let's okay. do this all right ready? let's see if i can let's see if i can hit, um get you on a couple here all right so all right. the first question i have is when i'm getting ready what you know i'm looking to get my gear set out laid out the night before what are the, like the what do you think the top three most essential pieces that you think um i would need or maybe it's not three maybe it's you know you need these things every time you go out okay what would you think Dust, do you want to handle that first? Or I have I have some ideas, but I wanted to. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Uh, you no, know, number one for me. Um, are, are we? We're saying that we we're we're headed to the woods the next morning. Is that what? Is that the question? Yeah, we're going. We're going. Let's just put it under deer hunting. Next morning, we're getting ready, and you know, getting ready to to go out for go off for the hunt. Well, my preparation boils down to you know is my is my bow sighted in or my gun sighted in that that's probably my top factor the night before to maybe release a couple arrows or if we got somewhere that we can uh send a rifle round down range or a slug mm-hmm. or whatever we're going to use so you know key factor there is to have your have your equipment dialed in so that if the opportunity presents itself you're going to make a good clean ethical kill uh second of all i, I go through my gear um camouflage Make sure that all my gear is either bagged up, packed up, or whatever I carried in, or however I'm going to the woods with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, run through your face mask, your jacket, pants, uh, focus on a little bit of scent controls you're packing away, or if it, if it's, uh, something that, uh, you already got packed away, just maybe break the box open, pull it all out, and make sure you got everything, put it back in. Uh, I have th- a quick, just to add on to that on your, and for the camo, um, when you're picking out your camo, do you, do you have a specific, way that you pick out your camo is it based on you know if it's snowing out because i know there's some camos out there that you know that have a snow in the pattern or if it's you know every all the camos are a little bit different is there one that you prefer over another or do you think it's just you know based on where you're located at how, how do you pick your camo yeah definitely you 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 touch base on pretty much all the scenarios you know one going to be location uh different states okay. for different camo um no camo uh is the same pretty much interesting uh, uh, right now I'm using mossy oak breakup, uh, for myself, but, uh, you can, you can definitely, uh, go out, check the pre-flight, the area where you're going to be hunting. And, you know, there's camo for every zone in the United States and overseas or wherever you're headed. Um, but th- there's different brands, different styles. It's, you know, it's all about what fits for you and, and what works and the elements that you're going to be hunting in. Okay. Back to the top three. Number three on my list is going to be, um, man, you, you, you got my mind thinking here. Number three on my list is, is thinking about safety, uh, mm. going to a tree stand set up. If I'm going uh, into a tree stand, I want to make sure that my harness is rigged up right. Uh, I want to make sure that once I uh, get it on, that, that everything's going to be ready to go to the woods. Because a lot of times you're walking out in the morning. It's going to be dark out and, you know, you're going to walk in, you're going to clip in, you're going to sit down in your tree stand. And that's something that uh, you don't want to walk in, clip in and, and have something fail on you. And, right. and you you have a bad accident or even a fatal accident. Uh, now, when, now that I, want, I kind of want to step back again. So when you're picking your tree stand, you know, is it kind of, you know, you're just rolling the dice or is this something that you map out, you know, months in advance or years in advance or is this something that's just kind of passed down, you know, this is an area or are there certain indicators that you, you look for to set up your tree stand? Well, uh, let's, let's kind of start this whole conversation over a little bit. Um, first is, is getting, if you're in a state where you need written permission, let's, let's get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, find a landowner or a family friend, whoever you can find, or maybe it's uh, the neighbor uh, or somebody recommends to go hunt a piece of woods. But you, you need to get your permission to uh, get some kind of layout of the land. Uh, either it's going to be a Google map a layout. Once you get your map and you get your permission and, and, and you need to look at your map and, and then you, you start laying out four or five areas that you think visually when I say visually, is going to be either a natural crossing of a waterway or a, a valley, 
Uh, deer have a tendency to go in low areas so that the visual line from above, they want to travel unseen. So oh, visually on the map, visually on the map, you pick out four or five different areas that you want to check out. And, and there's always going to be that one or two that you didn't see on the map that really catches your attention. And, and that's the way I look at it. So then once you get your map and you, you get your permission, you, you can access the land. You go in there and you, you just do a almost like a uh, virtual tour uh, visually and walk around and check out this place. And, and, and most areas are going to tell you where the deer activity are, whether it's going to be heavy underbrowsing of the leaves in one particular area. Uh, say you walk out into a crop field and there's a lot of damage along the edge of the woods where the deer just literally tore the crops down, ate the beans off. All the leaves are gone. There's nothing but stems of soybeans. Or you can go in, you can see where the corn ears have been ripped back on the on the field corn. Oh, uh, interesting. Where the, where the deer has actually, you know, went in and, and stripped the corn back and ate the, the corn right off the ear. And most of the time, deer won't knock the corn over. They'll actually pull the the husk back off the ear, eat the corn right off the cob on the on the stem of the, the standing corn. Oh. Uh, you're on this piece of property, you kinda you you've kinda walked around and, and you're starting to see some trails and, and by trails I mean you want to see uh heavily heavily hooved areas. Uh say it's a fence crossing and where the deer jump a fence, usually they're gonna leave a hoof mark. So that's gonna advertise to you that hey there's deer crossing here. Um, you know, suggestion is get online and find out what a deer hoof doe versus buck looks like. Uh, educate yourself on, on that. And then uh, once you find some maybe some crossings and some corridors, there's going to be generally a bedding area. And that, that's somewhere that is a focal point, but yet it's something that you want to you want to stay out of the comfort zone. You get too close to that bedding area, you're going to spook everything out. You want to just skirt that just enough where that you're, you're not spooking the deer. And you're not actually right in their bedroom. Um, mm-hmm. Deer are are smart, and they 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 figure things out no different than we do, just on a different scale. Um, if somebody's walking in my house, I'm going to know that they're there. You know, sights, oh, right. hear you or something. You, you know, I'm going to sense that something's there. Right. That's a great. That's a great point. So you keep all that in mind, and then uh, once you find these major trails, these deer or creatures are havoc. They're gonna they're gonna usually, and I say usually. 95% of the time, they're going to walk their trails that they've got uh, already either beat down or cut through, or they're going to be some visual evidence of a deer trail. Uh, once you've located that, then then you got to, you know, like say here in, in Ohio, we got a, a predominantly west wind. So the wind's blowing west. So you, you got to think about wind and uh, keep that in mind. The wind and the scent control is, uh, you know, one of the major factors of success in the whitetail woods. Wow, cool. Right. And yeah, that's awesome. Mike, let's go back to the original question. Sure. So the pa- uh, it would be gear, the top three pieces of gear. Okay, top three pieces of gear. So yeah. we, got, we got off on a, a bit of a tangent, but there's so much to really go into that because the question is gear, right? And, mm-hmm. and Dusty, back me up on this. But, but what you're using for gear will be dependent upon where you're hunting, the temperature, the conditions, the, the topography, uh, all those things play out. Like for example, let, let me ask you a question, Mike. What what time of year are we are we going to hunt? Are we early early season, mid season, late season? All those things kind of factor. And the reason I say that is because when the season opens up in September, especially in New England, it's hot and humid. It's it's going to be you know you get those cool cool nights, but I know for sure that my base layer that I'm going to use later in the season, which will keep me warm in some of the, you know, even some of the cooler most conditions. I'm not going to be wearing that base layer unless it's a really thin layer. And most likely it's going to be a scent type control piece of, uh, of clothing. So it's going to be a thin under layer that I'm going to wear under whatever else I'm putting on. Usually it's just a some some thin material type camouflage pants. I'm probably bow hunting. I'm not going to be gun hunting early season. So I'm not worried about my guns yet. Um, I'm just making sure when I, when I'm ready to go, I've got some kind of a camo pullover. I've got a face mask. I've got my hat. I've got, um, a really thin base layer just to keep my scent down. I've washed completely in, uh, scent covering soaps and I have my bone arrow that's tuned and I just do a double check to make sure it's all still in, in check. Nothing's broken. Nothing's out of, out of whack. I probably shot some arrows the night before. And other than that, just make sure that I know where my, my uh, release is for my bow. Those are, and the, the boots are everything. And I mm-hmm. mean, everything is outside 
in my screen room that's ex- exposed to the air. There's nothing mm-hmm. that comes inside at that point. And it's been outside for at least a week and a half. Wow. Okay. So that's good prep work right there. Yeah. Very cool. There are other specific, I mean, you, you kind of touched on some of the points of the timing, but um, like when you said early season, mid season, late season, are there times of day that are targeted more? Are there times of day that they're, that deer are more, um, I guess, just more active? Yes. Mm. Yes. If you go back to our interview that we did with Jim Stickles, he, he spent some time working under some of the greatest deer biologists known to the world. And he did some deer movement studies. And I'm looking at this from a subjective standpoint. Now, I'm going to ask Dusty to get his opinion as well. Um, so my own personal experience is very much in line with what his findings, actually scientific findings, found is that deer move m- during the majority of the hours called the corpuscular hours, which means that they're they're moving a little bit before dusk through a little bit after dusk to their feeding areas and uh, vice versa in the morning. They're, they're moving a little bit before sunrise to a little bit after sunrise. And then generally they're, they're in after the morning, they're going to their bedding areas. So there's a very small window of opportunity that, it, and literally we're talking probably prime time, 30 minutes is probably like the, the most active time they're at that they're going to be all day going to and from their, their feeding areas and their bedding areas, except for when you get into the mid season when the rut's on, then Things change specifically for the bucks, not the does. Gotcha. Dusty, you want to add on that? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it can be based off of off of pressure in the area. There, there's a lot of scenarios. Uh, you know, high pressure area, the deer activity is going to be after dark. Uh, low pressure, they're going to feel more comfortable to move daylight hours. Um, you know, Jay, you pretty much touch base on the morning and evening. That's uh, primarily. If if you think about deer and and yourself, uh, you know you you like to eat breakfast and and sometimes a, a lunch is worked into your schedule. So the deer are kind of in, in a similar uh, feeding habit: uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And sometimes that gets you know thrown out of course, no different than you or I. And, and that's something I consider too that there's that possibility that that midday movement's going to come for that afternoon lunching. Right. Yeah, and I I would say that might be even. Midday. Now there's just, there's this whole other theory and we've touched on this on the show numerous times. And it's, it's really about these soul lunar tables. I don't know if you've seen these, but supposedly there's some, something to the activity of deer and it can be predicted for a midday versus not midday, which is, you know, you're as a hunter, you're interested in daylight hour movement. That's when, cause you can't shoot at night. Right. So, right. So. You want to know when the deer are going to be moving during the day and what times during the day are the most likely to be the most active. And a lot of that stuff, and I, th- I think the verdict's still out, and, and Dusty may have a different opinion, but the, the rule of thumb is that if the moon is directly below you or the moon is directly above you, those are the times, especially during the fall, when the season is on, that the deer are most likely to move during daylight hours, sometimes even midday. Oh, well, to go to cool. feeding areas. Now, uh, some of the greatest hunters we've ever talked to on the show, uh, Mark Hammer, um, Steve Esker, those guys, I think, tune into that stuff more so than others. And likewise, they're shooting some of the biggest deer in America. So there's, if those guys are tuning into it, I'm paying attention at a minimum. And I don't know if the scientific community, community is going to back me up on this because I, so far they, they say there's really nothing to it, but. The hunters themselves, they're saying there's something around this. Now, I guess I guess a, a cool segue would it, to go to next would be what what kind of routines or rituals do you have like, um, you know, I don't know, like on the, on the way to the site or on the way to your tree stand? Are there anything that, that you do that's kind of that's weird or, or different or is it kind of just, you know, laid back? Is this music? Re- is this relative? Yeah, is this relative to what you might do for game time preparation type things? Yeah, Mike? yeah, that's okay. what I, I would do. You know, I have my r- rituals, but I'm curious to hear what you guys have. So, rituals. Um, the first thing that I do, uh, let's say it's a morning hunt. Let's say I'm gonna, and no matter what time of year it is, no matter what time uh, of the season it is, my first ritual, provided that I'm, um, I'm not traveling to hunt like if i'm you know traveling to dusty's this may not occur but if i'm at home 
and I'm leaving from my, my quarters, I am definitely showering. The first thing I'm getting up extra early just to take a shower. I just want to make sure that I've showered with some no scent soaps and a variety of them. Just to make sure I've got all my potential body odor off my body. I've even gotten to the point where I've started buying chlorophyll tablets from these, you know, specialty uh, grocery stores where you can buy these things that in chlorophyll will actually reduce your body odor internally so that you don't smell like a human as much as you would. Cool. It's just, they're just like green, you know, you know, green vegetable tablets basically, but they, they bind with the things that cause scent. So, so I'm washing the outside. I'm trying to clean it up internally. And my ritual is really a timing thing. Like I really, really, really want to get to the stand at least 45 minutes before sunrise. Because I think that there's a, as the world wakes up in the morning and in the world, I mean the world of nature, you'll, if you are kind of making these, these waves of sound going through the woods and it, you don't think about it necessarily, but it causes a disturbance. I try to walk mm-hmm. softly and Dusty says I have a heavy foot, but you know, I try to walk as softly as I can and get into the stand as quietly as possible. Um, I don't listen to music on the way in. I'm really tuning into the sounds I'm hearing on the way to the stand. And sometimes I might be driving a four wheeler to a stand location before I get off. And then I spray down when I get there, uh, you know, I'm trying to spray down and keep that any weird scent off of me as much as possible. Um, but when I get there, I try to get all set up, get everything set. My, my bow's hung up. Um, I've got everything comfortably. I hopefully I didn't make any banging sounds against the metal ladder. I'm just trying to keep everything as, as soft, as quiet as possible, but still he- listening for things around me. Cause sometimes you'll jump a deer on the way in, or you might be hearing things moving around you. And I just want to kind of be a cognizant of what's there. Other than rituals, you know, I'm checking my phone. I'm checking the weather. I want to see what the yeah. weather's doing for the day. Um, I want to, so I'll play with the solar lunar table, see what the activity might be that day, see what time sunrise is. So I know when I'm actually legal to shoot and, and that's, then it's go time. Cool. Now, I guess that, I mean, I think that's the perfect, my, my next question is the perfect question. It's now, what do you do when a deer walks in? When you're ready to go, all the elements are, are in front of you. What do you do when that deer comes through? Dusty, you want to handle this one? Or you want me to? No, I'll handle it. Uh, okay. You know, just just going from uh, personal experience with uh, several deer, and and you know, been real blessed to be fortunate in the whitetail woods. Uh, you know, you you can get by with a lot when a whitetail walks in. People say, "Yeah, you're crazy." There's no way. You you really can. It's it. You you got a deer coming in. They're they're going to be on alert. Um, if you think that they don't know you're there, you're crazy. Uh, to a certain extent, um, slow movement, uh, say you need to raise your bow up. You, you gotta go into like a, a, a creep speed. The slowest movement you can make has the most likeliness of not getting caught in that movement. Um, you know, I, I, I believe in no eye contact with the deer. Uh, just from experience, it seems like it works for me. Maybe it's a complete myth or craziness of my mind, but, uh, I try not to make eye contact with a whitetail when it's walking in. Um, you know, super slow movement. Wait for your opportunity. Um, the deer will will hear something or something will get its attention and it'll look away. And this may not work 100% of the time, but 90% of the time, that opportunity will be presented when you can either raise your bow, draw your bow, or, or make that little tweak to your adjustment in your seat. Or if you're standing, that little bit of a turn you need to make to, to draw the bow or your gun either or. But just, you know, keep in mind that, that that deer is going to pick up any kind of movement and it's, it's going to, it's going to get a, a red flag. Yeah. It's going to advertise where you're at. If that deer sees you move, the deer is not likely to be locked onto you for a long period of time. Now, when that deer locks onto you, it's going to raise and lower its head. And what that's doing is, is getting his three dimensional vision on the object that is locked onto. And it's, and it's a kind of a, a sense to make you think that it's got its head on its ground. It's not paying attention to you, but it, it's really trying to bluff you so that you make that wrong move and it can recognize what, what's there. But, you know, if you just keep in mind slow movement to no movement and, and just relax and, and breathe and get your mindset and get your visual where you're going to place that shot at, you'll be successful. I will, I'll back that up a hundred percent. And I agree with everything Dusty just said. And here's why I think that's true. 
if you think of a deer in the woods and it is naturally a game animal, its natural predators would be wolves, bobcats, mountain lions, coyotes, man. And man isn't going to hunt the way a coyote is. But I would say in general, a coyote is probably the most prevalent predator that they have. So they're trying to figure out an escape. A coyote, so what they're looking for are quick bursts of movement and that's an alert or they're using their nose for smell. So if you've got your scent covered, then then you're probably okay there. But as far as movement is concerned, let's say you got all the rest of the bases covered. Your scent is really in control. The wind's in your favor. So now all they're looking for, um, as they would when a predator is about to attack, they're looking for eyeballs in a in and maybe you know envision a coyote hanging out in a a thick patch, just waiting for its opportunity to pounce or a lion or whatever. Those white eyeballs. That's what you see if you're a predator, if you're a game animal and the predator is coming to attack. And when they go to attack, it's quick movement. So whatever you can do to act not like a predator at that moment will be better. It'll keep them calmer and you'll have a better opportunity for actually taking the shot. And I, I think about it, Mike, kind of in a, a sense of what a linebacker would do watching the quarterback's eyes, trying to figure out where the pass is going to go. Right. right. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I think. Um, I mean, that's, and we're doing the same thing. You know, we're watching them, we're watching their body language as well. Right. Which is, it's a cool, you know, cat and mouse game. Right. Um, and I think that, that uh, synopsis as to the cat and mouse game as to what are they going to do next kind of plays out in the, in the deer woods. What's that deer going to do next? They're trying to figure out what you're going to do next if they're on to you. So any movement that indicates your next attack or next approach will give it away. So you have to be very, aware of your movement when they're on to you specifically if they're not on to you that you might get away with a few things but yeah yeah very much that thing that's awesome i mean that's that's such such great information i think i mean i feel like we've kind of gone full circle from the gear times routines approach you know what i mean i feel pretty confident with this information i think you know my next step for me is actually going and applying it and and working at it because you know just like anything you know you the more you practice it, the more you get familiar and the easier, the easier those things become. And um, then it's, you know, it's about a little bit of luck then too, you know, after that. There's definitely a lot of luck. And <laughs> let's say a lot of it is preparation though. You know, and, and you know, the, the byproduct of hard work is, is luck basically. Um, when it goes in, in the same thing in football, same thing in yeah. life, same thing in, in the, the field. So you're, you have to study the animal. You have to study your craft, your, what you're going after. You have to decide where these animals are most likely to, to pass through. Have they passed through recently? Are they now in your area where you, where they weren't? Um, are they likely to show up at this particular time? And I'm not talking about just a few weeks of study. I'm talking about years of study. I'm talking right. about one giant map that you've had printed out on your wall and you've kept data of every single place you've ever come across a deer trail, a dropping, a antler shed, deer sighting, a kill, uh, whatever it is that goes on your map. And whether it's really on the map or on a different map or in a mental map, you always know what should happen in these scenarios or when certain deer are coming into the area or has that area changed? Has that one area where you've been hunting been turned into condos or is has it been logged recently you know, all those types of things you have to kind of you always have to pay attention to all that stuff and what happens in that area will directly affect your cess in that that particular spot for deer hunting wow that's that's incredible that's awesome the map is a, is a big one and yeah that's a great key right there especially where i'm at because the the terrain can change there's a lot of the forestry is a lot of logging um if I, in New Hampshire, which is different than where Dusty is, necessarily have to have permission to hunt on certain pieces of property. So we're talking about vastness where you can just get out and roam. Um, but the, there's no, there's no agriculture for them to key on for the most part. So you've got to find those deer trails where they would most naturally roam and they might be places that man hasn't been yet or hasn't been in a long time. Yeah. So those, absolutely. that's why those maps come in very handy. Very cool. That's a great, that's a great uh, key right there that I definitely want to take serious and definitely up my game as far as, you know, the mapping side of it. I think that's yep. a great, a great point. So Mike, let me, let me ask you a quick question. So what is it that's capturing your attention about hunting? What is it that that's intriguing you? Well, you know, I really, um, I really got really interested 
um, really started getting really interested in it. Actually, when I got to the NFL, um, I started this company, Rue Outdoor, and I started be, uh, building some products. I, I actually, just for the, the sports side and the football side, and the application of it really started developing um, into the hunting, military, tactical side as well. And I, um, for me, you know, obviously, I want to learn more about the market, learn more about just the industry in general. And so, um, you know, these last couple of years, I've really just been trying to dive in and learn as much as I can and, and meet, you know, the people and decision makers and the people that are making really this industry go, um, which is why, um, you know, I went to SHOT Show, I'm talking with you guys, yep. and, you know, just really trying to, to, to make the most of it and understand as much as I can. So talking to these people in the outdoor world, you're, you're trying to figure out how to start hunting sounds like yeah yeah that's 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 really my next step for me is to to find some time and to find a situation where i can do it okay so what have you found so far i mean it sounds like i mean you went to shot show um you're, you're talking to us not that we're your greatest yep. uh greatest sources or resources yeah, you but yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um so what, what have you learned so far as as a brand new hunter that yep. is interested but hasn't actually engaged in it just yet but i'm sure you will this fall um and and if you don't, then we're going to have some serious words. Um, <laughs> but uh, what um, what have you discovered so far that you think um, you're ready to engage in? So, you know, I think we, we've touched on a lot of those points, too. It's it's really the preparation. And I think this and, and, and safety, preparation and safety are probably the, definitely the, the top two, the top two things. And so I've been focusing on safety and, um, you know, going and register and getting, you know, get my first gun and, um, and, and plotting out some time with, you know, someone who, who knows the hunting world with some friends and stuff that have done it, you know, their entire lives. That way I'm going with people who know, understand the land, understand, you know, how it's done, you know, and is going to do everything the right way. That way I can learn it the right way and be able to teach and, and grow and grow faster. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I've actually engaged in this year was the apprentice program in the state of New Hampshire where a 40 something year old friend of mine approached me and said, Hey, I'd really like to go hunting. Will you show me what to do? And they have this program at Fish and Game where you can, for one year, you sign up as an apprentice. You don't need to buy your license or you don't need to get the, you don't have to take the hunter safety course, but you do have to go through the program as far as buying your, your license online as an apprentice. Then you can hunt with somebody the entire time. You can't hunt by yourself. You have to be with that experienced hunter. And it was probably one, and we're just, We've done some deer hunting already. Uh, certainly time constraints don't, don't always play out, but the time that we spent together, I really, you know, it dawned on me how much stuff I had stuck in my noggin and how rewarding it was just to let it back out and, right. and tell and share with somebody that was truly interested in learning how to do this. And one of the, the reasons that they were interested in doing this was, was to be outside to, engage in, in uh, outside environment, but also to harvest the game and kill the game that is free range organic meats. That was the thing that they really want to get into because they're more concerned about diets than, than they ever have been. And they thought that hunting might be a good way to add to their freezer um, and, and give themselves some organic meats that are, that you actually harvested. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like I'm, I'm game yeah. with this. I'm down with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's you awesome. Know, one, one thing I like to add to to this whole conversation is that uh, you, you can't get no better experiences than actually being there and, and learning from your mistakes from the tree stand in the whitetail woods. Um, you, you'll walk away for years saying, man, if I had only done that different or done this different. And that, that's how you learn a lot about the whitetail activity and what you can and cannot do is and mistakes that you'll make and, and every time you go in the woods you get educated a little bit further on uh how you should strategize and and, and uh, approach a whitetail hunt and it's it's crazy just by being there what it educates you with that's cool yeah that's that's what i'm looking forward to is just getting those experiences and mike as a professional athlete are you still engaged in the game Yes, absolutely. And, and where are you at right now with your career? You've, you've been, you've played for several different teams. Yeah. So I've been in the NFL for six years now and, um, you know, I love playing. I have an, you know, aspiration to do some coaching as well. And so, you know, I want to be involved in the game as much as I can. Gotcha. And where do you yeah. see yourself going this year? Um, well, actually, I'm, I'm actually in Mobile, Alabama right now at the Senior Bowl, talking with some coaches and 
you know, just expanding my network as big as I can and seeing, you know, what kind of jobs are available in the coaching side. Yeah. And then my agent, you know, is on, on, on his side is working the player side and trying to find um, opportunities there as well. So we're kind of hitting it from all ends right now and um, just trying to build, like I said, trying to build my network, you know, meet people and see and see what kind of opportunities are out there. Gotcha. So potentially playing in the NFL again um, yes. as a as a quarterback or potentially um, being a coach somewhere uh, yeah. to coach on in, in, in the NFL or even on a college scene. Yeah, I think uh, I'd like to start in the NFL, but I'm definitely not going to turn down anything in the college world gotcha. for sure. Very cool. So it's kind of yeah. in a sense you're becoming that mentor that that um, you're, you're potentially bringing on an apprentice in a sense because you'd be teaching other people how to how to play a certain position at this level. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's been a passion of mine for a long time. That's very cool. So I, I have a few questions I, I'd like to run down here, uh, Mike, if I could. And sure. these are some uh, off-the-cuff questions we like to ask all of our guests. And th- the first one may not apply yet, but I, I want to get it out there. If if you had to pick your number one hunting tip of all time, would it, what would it be? And I'm sure you've probably heard a bunch of them over the last couple months while you're trying to investigate this whole idea of going hunting. But what's the best yeah. one you've heard so far? Um, let's say – I'll probably say – uh, the number one hunting tip would be just to shoot straight, right? I mean, you want to shoot straight. Shoot straight. Shooting straight is shoot definitely. It's super simple. Just shoot it straight. You yeah. Know, I think if you can line it up right and you shoot it straight, you're right. pretty good. Yeah. If you do everything else right, but you don't shoot right, then, then yeah. it kind of blows That's the, the whole, point. whole point yeah. of being there. No, I'm with <laughs> right. you on that. All right. If you had, uh, <laughs> this might more apply more to being a, a quarterback. We all have these things. And, and, and the question usually comes up, uh, the hunt, the thing you bring into the woods that's in your hunting pack that you bring in, it might be a good luck charm, a superstitious type of thing, actually, but it drives you nuts. It's almost like a routine, like a superstitious routine. If you don't have that thing with you, what, what's that one thing you got to have with you or you feel naked without it? You just don't feel like you're going to play well. You don't feel like you're going to have a good hunt. You got to have it with you. What's that one thing for you? Um, and I, I usually, I have to have a watch on before. I get to the facility. A watch. So you got to bring a watch to the facility. It's just, I just feel, I just feel naked without my watch on. Okay. Until, and then once you play the game, then I'm, then I'm good. Okay. Gotcha. Um, as you've been researching this whole endeavor of hunting, what are some of the books that you've been reading or some of the magazines that you engage in to try to figure out what's what? I have, I have um, applied to a couple magazines that I've been getting information for, but, um, I thought, I haven't really read got into serious books. Okay. But what what do you, what would you suggest? Um I guess it depends on where you're hunting, but uh I guess I would start with like probably North American Whitetail is a good one. Deer and Deer Hunting. Those are two of the, the better magazines that okay. that I've ever read. Um I got Field and Stream. Field and Stream. Perfect. Is that, is that perfect, solid? Absolutely. Solid. Lots of great little tips in there. I think I'd start okay. there. And then, you know, you might want to check out an audible book here and there. You know, you can put it on your your phone put it in your headsets and listen to it where you're on a plane ride somewhere about hunting. You know, there's some really good books out there that you can listen to. And then there's plenty to read. There's so many great hunting books, maybe Fred Bear, for example. You know, there might be a, okay. some good stuff you can read about Fred Bear. Cool. All right. Uh, you meet a stranger in an elevator. You're in some some location. Somebody walks in an elevator and they say, hey, what do you do for a living? What do you say to them? Um, I typically tell them about Rue Outdoor, my company. Okay. And I kind of leave the football stuff secondary. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's probably the best way to do it. That way, kind of you talk about the. What did you have for breakfast today? What I have, oh, actually, we went to a really great um, little um, cafe in in Mobile. We had um, a burrito, like a breakfast burrito. Yep. And some cheese grits. It was unbelievable. Wow! And is yeah. is that standard operating breakfast for a, a professional NFL quarterback? No, it was just because I was in mobile. I usually, usually I'm you know a few eggs, some spinach, um, you know, orange. I'm pretty simple. Okay, I'm a pretty simple eater. Gotcha. Yeah. And would, do you? I don't know if you've read about Tom Brady's diet recently, but certainly there's been some some uh, stuff thrown around about how. Yeah. What What's your view on that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think. Tom is, you know, he has his ways and things he likes to do. And, you know, everyone has their own, you know, that has their own theories. You know, I've seen guys that are just eating Big Macs day after day and, and still go out and play, 
you know, play good football. So it's, it's to each his own on that, on that side. I think diet is important, but, um, you know, everyone has their own metabolism. Everyone, um, you know, finds those energy in the food a different way. So gotcha. All right. Let's say that you could have your own billboard anywhere in the country. What would it, what would it say on it? What would it say on it? Oh, it would definitely be for uh Rue outdoor. Okay. And, um, we'd have the logo on it. We'd have some pictures of, um, all of our products and we'd have, you know, our slogans just embrace the elements. And that, you know, really speaks a lot to, you know, the brand and the identity of the brand and what we're about. And, you know, we're about being outdoors and learning and growing and respecting the environment. And, um, for me, you know, as I grow as, you know, an outdoorsman, as a hunter, you know, I've, I've looked to carry that into the brand as well. Okay. All right. And, and finally, and then I want to talk about Rue Outdoors a little more in depth here. When you hear the word successful, yep. who's the first person that comes to mind and why? Oh, that's a great question. I would say, um, I would probably say Bill Walsh. He's a full, he was the head coach of the 49ers for a long time in the eighties and nineties. Um, he was, he was great because he changed the culture. He wasn't just a, a football coach or a quarterback coach or an offensive innovator. He, he changed the culture of entire organization. I thought, you know, that's really special and really difficult to do. You know, I, and I think that I have a lot of respect for what he's done and obviously Hall of Famer and, you know, one of the best to ever do it. Yes, I completely agree with you there. So let's talk about Rue Outdoors. And actually, before we get there, I have to ask you one, one final question. What's your Super Bowl prediction? Super Bowl prediction? I think... I think Carolina is pretty good. I think, you know, offensively and defensively, they have some special, some special guys there. I think, I think it's going to be tough. Although, you know, you're going against Peyton Manning and that defense. I mean, this is for one of the, one of the better Super Bowl matchups, um, that we've seen probably in the last 10 years or so. Gotcha. And Dusty, what do you have for a Super Bowl pr- prediction? Uh, who's playing? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Carolina Panthers <laughs> against the Denver Broncos. Uh, I'm going with Broncos. All right, you got a score. You got a score for me, Mike? Oh, Jesus, score! Let's go. Let's go. Seventeen, fourteen, Carolina. Carolina, Dusty. Uh, I'm going uh, twenty-three, ten. Twenty-three, ten. All right, I'm going Carolina in a blowout, thirty-five to twelve. Wow! And here's how it. Here's how it all. Four field goals. It's gonna. Well, no, actually, it gets more interesting than that. It's it's gonna be twenty. Carolina is going to score 27 points in the first half. They're going to have their typical uh, blow you away kind of first half they've had the last several games. And, and then, uh, Denver is going to muster up one field goal and they're going to get a safety on Cam Newton because they're going to have some kind of weird, um, field position, but they're going to, they're going to swarm Cam in the end zone and, and tackle him. So they're going to get a safety, but then they're going to peter out. They're going to not going to score anymore. Panthers are going to score a little bit more in the second half, but they're going to slow down like they have recently, but they don't need to score anymore. And then there's going to be some junk points at the end for the Broncos. So uh, at the end, it's I like going to the be creativity. Yes. Yes. Sir. <laughs> 35 to 12 Carolina Panthers. That's my prediction. There we go. So let's talk about Rue Outdoors. What is Rue and where did it come from? How did you, how did you start it? Right. So I uh, started it um, a few years back, uh, really out of necessity. As I, you know, was developing, you know, as football developed and all the products basically around football from the shoes to the gear, helmets, shoulder pads, everything was evolving. Um, the hand warmer was really one thing that hadn't evolved in, you know, probably 20, 25 years. And so for me as a quarterback, my hands are the most valuable part, um, you know, of receiving the football. And so, you know, that was something I really wanted to look into and, and develop and make a product that was, that was better and up to date. And, and what kind of products are we looking at here? So right now on RueOutdoor.com, um, you'll find our premier product, which is the Rue Inferno hand pouch. And we have really two models. One that's um, sport, which is obviously geared towards sports, football, soccer, golf. And another side that's the terrain side, which is built for the outdoorsman. Uh, we have one that's Mossy Oak, Break Up Infinity Camo. And then we have some other colors that are um, more or neutral colors, more tone color. Okay. And any other products that you're working on? So right now we're really focusing um, on just the fall season, so the football and the hunting seasons. And we're in development right now to do some stuff for summer and spring, which will be more in the apparel side. So just like we were talking about some of the scent, um, scent blocking, we'll, we'll, which will also have you know antimicrobial properties. Um, that's you know really cool high-tech gear, which will be really awesome. Gotcha. All right. Any other questions for me or Dusty? You know what? This was so cool. I mean, you know, we 
been on for about an hour now, and I think you know this has really been very educational for me. You know, I'm looking forward to doing some more research, and you know, if I definitely have some more, I'll definitely be um, be hitting you up. Sounds like you're looking to potentially develop some more products by talking to hunters about their experiences and the things that they find important. That yeah, that, I wholeheartedly believe that's the best way to go about it. Gotcha. All right, very good. So, you're how old are you now, Mike? 28. You're 28 years old. You're only two years older than, than Cam Newton, who, unlike myself, who's much older, when I get hit, I break. When you guys get hit, you bend. That's what's, that's why I think Cam Newton's going to win the Super Bowl because let's face it, um, Peyton Manning, he's 39 years old. If he gets hit, he's broken. <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah. He's not quite as pliable as he used to be. Um, so if you, being 28 years old, um, what would you tell the 18 year old Mike Koff? Oh man, what would I tell him? Um, I would tell him. Actually, I wouldn't probably change anything. You know, where I'm at right now, I feel really. I don't really have many regrets on what I've done collegiately, high school, all that stuff. You know, I think you know, continue to work hard and you know, be a good person, be humble, and I think those things will paid off and get some good opportunities um, in the future. And right now, I feel like I'm in a good position in my life, great family. Gotcha. Very cool. I appreciate you guys having me on. This was this was fun. Yeah, very cool. Dusty, you got any really final was. questions for Mike? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, you know, best of luck and get out there and, and uh, get after them whitetails and, and good yeah. luck. Yeah. Oh, I'll definitely have some stories for you when I get out there. Cool. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Dusty. You guys are great. I, this is fun. Thanks to Mike for joining us on the Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. That was an absolute pleasure talking to him. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it, it dug into our magic bag and got us to, to voice out some of the things that we do and strategize about. And man, it's super crazy to be on the other side of the questions, Jay. It is interesting. I, I you know, we're, we're usually the ones asking the questions. And uh, I guess you don't realize how much you kind of retain one, until somebody asks you those questions themselves. And I don't feel like we even came close to what we know. I mean, I felt like there's I could be here for hours explaining all the things that I know to be true about deer hunting and all the things that I know that you you know not to be true are things that you don't you won't ever know until you're sitting in the seat yeah and you know and it's uh it, it's super different to, to be able to understand you know this show is usually uh, a very knowledgeable hunter and, and to have somebody on like Mike that uh, the knowledge is not there and it goes to show you that the uh, the podcast is super beneficial for new and upcoming hunters and and that's something that we don't want to overlook and we want to focus on, uh, at, you know, at some point in time. And just so happened that now's the time. And, man, it, it felt to me that, that somebody that's just new into hunting can really, really pick up on some great tips and some information that will, will help them get into the woods. I agree. I thought that was just a great way to approach this show is to just let us talk a little bit and have Mike ask some questions while we also learn about him and, and try to feel where he's coming from. What, what, what types of issues are, is he facing? Types of questions does he have starting out a foot in the deer hunting woods? Yeah. And that's something that, uh, I think Jay, that you'll agree with me on this, that I, I want to kind of give an invitation out to, I'd like to do that again at some point in time here. And if you are a new hunter and, and you're listening to the show and, and you got some deeper questions that you would like to get into, we'd be interested in talking with you about it. And maybe we can, uh, you know, get, uh, shoot us a message or email dusty at bigbuckregistry.com or jay at bigbuckregistry.com either or. And, and maybe we can set something up and, and kind of run through some questions that you may have and see if it's something that we'd like to cover on the show. And I think yep. that uh, I'd be super interested in doing that with another guest. Yeah. And I, I think. You know, and I'm going to go even a step further that if you have a, if you're a newer hunter and you're trying to figure this stuff out, or if you're an old hunter and you just need an answer, we may be able to get you an answer if we don't know the answer ourselves. So I think we may even, and this is, this is kind of just an idea, but we may even start a, another podcast and, but have those answers here on this show, but just have those answers apply to a totally different question and answer type podcast where you can, actually listen to your question be answered by us or somebody else that we think is better suited for that yeah that'd be a, a great thing for all the hunters that are joining us every week yeah, listener submitted questions i think it's the way to roll man yeah let's do it all right so speaking of knowledge and 
tips on hunting. Do you have a Chubby Tines tip of the week this week? Yeah, we do, Jay. And I'm going to touch base on uh, predator hunting. You know, uh, it's something that uh, you need to focus on. Uh, it's just part of being a conservationist for your land and your deer herd. And, you know, uh, coyotes right now seem to be more active than they are any other time of year. You know, here in the Midwest, the cold climates and low food source and there's, they're, you know, on the move, daylight hours, dark, you know, uh, just take, take time to focus on that. If, even if it's just for a couple of weeks and, and even if you're not an experienced trapper or somebody that's experienced in predator hunting, get out there and experience that. Um, it, it's something that's very enjoyable and, and you take three or four coyotes off one piece of land, you know, you're going to increase your herd population for years to come. Uh, just something I thoroughly enjoy. And I think that, uh, all the listeners will do the same if they just get out and put the effort in and try it. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. Um, predator hunting. I've started doing some, I took a nice long walk, starting to look for some sheds actually. Um, and I, some of my latest pictures as of today, I have a spike buck that walked in with only one antler. So that the time is here. I know things are starting to happen with these antlers. So it's time to find sheds and do some predator hunting. I think that's a wrap, my friend. Uh, where can we find you when you're not hanging out here on the mic with me? Uh, you can shoot me an email here at the Big Buck Registry. It's dusty at bigbuckregistry.com. Look me up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash chubby tines outdoors. And also you can hit me up on Instagram at chasing antler. Jay, where can they reach out to you when you're not on the mic? Well, you can find me uh, by email, jay at bigbuckregistry.com. That's the best place. You can find us uh, on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash big buck registry. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash big buck registry. If you'd like to submit a photo to be featured on the big buck registry Facebook page and be famous in front of 100, 220,000 plus followers, uh, all you have to do is go to big buck registry.com forward slash my buck. If you'd like to pledge support to this, this show because you like it, I would invite you to visit bigbuckregistry.com forward slash pledge or donate. And if you, let's see, would like to call into the show, if you'd like to call into the show, give us a call at 724-613-2825 and leave us a message and or a question. Be happy to play it right here on the show. Thank you to uh, Jim Keller for the deer news. Thank you to our guest, Mike Kafka, and good luck with his adventure with Rue Outdoors. Thank you to Parker Maloney, who helps us with the, the music on the show. And uh, thanks to you, Dusty, for joining us on another Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. Man, that's a whole lot of Big Buck. A whole lot of Big Buck. So I'm Dusty Phillips. And I'm Jay Scott. And you're listening to the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. We'll see you next week. Can't wait.